A lot of people say hit them with the pain. This is, I've heard of it in marketing, yeah. sales. What's the pain, 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 pain? But when I go out and buy a bottle of water, I am not in pain. I'm not sat there in agonizing emotional or physical pain. I just want a drink. So it's not hitting with the pain. And this is where, again, most marketers make the mistake. They're just adamant on drilling down on what's the worst case scenario possible. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal about automation, getting leads, retargeting, and sales funnels. You know, the stuff that'll actually make you money and doesn't empty your wallet. Get valuable, actionable information from me and other experts in the online marketing space, which will boost your business beyond its current boundaries. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Clive Maloney. Hey, welcome. Clive Maloney here. We're back for another episode. This is episode 15 of the Get Real About Business podcast. Today, as always, we're going to be looking at another area or strategy for growing your business. In fact, today's topic is really exciting. It's something that is so popular these days. Everybody's talking about it, and that's building a tribe. What do we mean by a tribe? I mean to create a following of people who are crazy serious about what you do. These days, it's so easy to get a big following on Twitter and Facebook and all these different social channels. But do people pay attention to what you do? Do they buy from you? Well, the big difference is, do you really have a tribe? And what I'm really excited about today is that we have a guest speaker. Today, I've got Jeff Spires with me. He's my friend and author of the book, How to Succeed in Life and Happiness, Seven Steps to Fulfillment. It's a good book, by the way. Jeff and I have been hanging around for a few years. We've participated in masterminds together. He is a great guy. I'm always learning stuff from him. I'm sure you're going to learn from him too as we talk about building your tribe. So in today's episode, we're going to look at what a tribe is, why you need it. We're going to look at the triad of things that you need to be able to build a tribe. We're going to look at temperature gauges and a heck of a lot more as we talk about building a tribe. In my interview with Jeff, we really go into detail. Jeff explains it all and puts it all down. To make it easier for you, what I've done is put together some notes based on the things that we're sharing here. It's got all the models that Jeff talks you through, as well as a few extras that I've thrown in as well. And because there was so much that Jeff shared today, I'm going to keep this very brief right now. If you want to get hold of those notes, just go to my show notes page at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 15. And that's where you can get the download for these notes. But in the meantime, there is so much for us to cover. I'm just going to jump straight into the interview and I'll be back at the end to have a chat. So I love business, I love marketing, I love psychology, I love high performance. These are kind of my topics that I study all the time. And the reason I love marketing so much is because it is basically is psychology for businesses. It's understanding why consumers do what they do and how can we um, get them to basically purchase our products or our services more often and for high costs and keep scaling up. And we do this by building these what we call tribes. So a tribe is about building uh, an audience that are completely engaged with you, believe in you, and willing to support you. So it's not about how to build following. So following like on Twitter, on any social media platforms, where you just get loads of followers, you've got 30,000 people following your account. It doesn't mean any of them are ever going to buy from you or even care what you've got to say. So a tribe's kind of looking at the psychology. How do we actually do what Apple did and actually create this audience that are so engaged and buy into your products and your service that they're willing to fly from another country 
camp out outside of your shop overnight just so they can get your new product. Yeah. That's a tribe. <laughs> well, that kind of sounds great, but I, I hear all this thing about tribe at the moment, and it's everybody's talking about build a tribe, build a tribe. Is it just the next hip thing? Um, I actually think it's, it's probably what's the, the core of every big business there's been is having a tribe. It's just that it's only recently come to life. And I think a lot of that's due to a lot of the, the, the neuroscience breakthroughs and showing how in, how our brain lights up when we have connection with people. And we've been kind of guessing this, theorizing it for, for years and years and years through psychology, saying connection yes, is a big part. But now through neuroscience, they can really tell, actually, that's probably one of the driving factors, um, is our need for connection, need to feel like we belong and we're a part of something, not just we're uh, this, this singular entity out on our own mission. And this is why we have family. This is why we have friends. This is why we go networking business. It's not just to raise money. Uh, like We go networking. It's actually that uh, friendship part of it, the friendship side and building up those um, those relationships with other like-minded people that's just as of value to us as the finances you can gain off the back of it as well. So it sounds like a new fad because it's a new word that's coming out. But yeah. basically, tribe really does mean that you've got uh, fans following you. So if you look at every movie star or every musician or rock star, they've always had their tribes, but it's never been called tribes. It's been called groupies or other terminology. Yeah. So, so tribes have existed forever. It's just the, the word tribe is now being just banded around everywhere. <laughs> right, right. And there was a couple of things that I picked up from you there, Jeff. One is, is recognising that we are social animals. Yeah. Tribing simply is about tapping into that uh, psychological imperative for us to connect with other people and be part of something bigger. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, in tribe building, there's the, the, we always start with the triad. So the tribe triad. So actually, what is it that creates this tribe in the first place? So again, from a marketing perspective, from a business side, you may have heard things like the money's in the list. And that's banned, yeah. thrown around all over the place. Money's in the list, money's in the list, build your list. However, the money's not in the list. The money is in the relationship you have with your list. Exactly, yes. Um, so most people build up this huge list or go and buy a list off the shelf and go, yep, I've got a database of a couple of hundred thousand people here. But this is worthless to you. And it's, it it's better to have 10 raving fans and 100,000 useless emails. Because uh, those 10 raving fans, what they do is, not only do they buy from you and connect with you, but they also then share your message and bring on board their friends as well and into your, your message. So the, the three aspects of we need to start with when we're looking at tribes, first of all, we need a charismatic leader. So every tribe has to have some form of a leader, leadership there. But I don't mean charismatic in terms of your Tony Robbins. A yep. charismatic leader in terms of someone who is present, someone who is perceived to be the expert or the authority in that field or the topic you're talking about, someone who is inspiring to the audience and they could even possibly aspire to be like, not specifically like that person, but attached to their values and what they stand for. Right. So that's kind of the first part we need when we look at tribe building. The second part is an inspiring vision. So there needs to be something to move towards. So all tribe need to uh, wants to think the future is going to be brighter. <laughs> so this vision has to be a shared vision from the charismatic leader down to the tribe or say, look, look, guys, this is where I'm going. Would you like to be a part of that? And of recent, you may have heard of the, the book starting with why Simon 
Sinek, I believe his name is. Yeah, it's uh, a great book. And especially in the multi-level marketing community, they've really adopted that. And they're all talking about what's your why, what's your why. I come across the multi-levels marketing people all the time and always talking about what's your why. <laughs> and it's great that they are talking about that. But sometimes I think um, the, the meaning behind it gets lost. And it just becomes another thing to do. What's your why? Yes, okay, I've got my why. I want this to move forward. But actually understanding what your why is actually allows people to buy into your vision, why you're doing something. And if they can believe in your vision, believe in your why, then they're going to aspire to follow in those footsteps as well. Yeah. I also speak to a lot of people in network marketing. And it seems to me that what a lot of people do is, is steal other people's whys. Uh, <laughs> so they, so yeah, yeah. if you're like a weight loss consultant, uh, you sell weight loss products like Herbal Life or Cambridge uh, Weight Loss Plan. What they tend to do is they have the story about how they lost weight with this particular product and it made the world of a difference to them. And actually, for some people, that's not the thing that's really motivated them to be in business. Mm, yeah. And because that's not their story, it's somebody else's story. It's a story that they were told to tell then it just doesn't come across as very uh, as very believable. Absolutely. I mean, that's the same with, with people's why, because I always link why to purpose to meaning. So this yeah. has to be owned by you. You have to take complete ownership of that. And it's the same with when I do, work, do values work with people as well. I yeah. say, what's your values? They always just steal other people's. Ones that sound like they should be saying it. So in, integrity, trust, honesty. <laughs> so they just nick yeah. everyone else's. But if they're not yours, if they're not, who you are inside, then as soon as people smell a rat, the second people go, there's something off here, they don't start going, oh, I'm going to give them another, another chance. The second people start to go, right, two, one add one is not equal in two, then they move away. They just go, okay, I don't now trust them. I don't now believe in what they're, they're trying to sell. I don't believe that they believe in what they're trying to sell. And they would just never buy from you. Yeah, so the more yeah. authentic you can be with your message, and especially when it comes to your, your why, your reasons for doing something, uh, the better you're going to be. Yeah. And it's, um, it's fascinating because it a lot of people, especially in the weight loss industry, they try to nick whys that are directly related to weight, like I was overweight or I was ill health. But your why could be anything. It could be absolutely anything. It could be that I now have two young children and I want them to grow up healthy and I want them to grow up confident and I want them to grow up in a world where they're not being sugar forced down their mouth all the time. So it's not even your personal why. You're doing it now for someone else. And this also shows compassion and empathy for other people. Um, it could be that one of your family members got, got sick or got diabetes. or So the why doesn't have to be directly related to the product in the sense of what the result of the product's going to be. And I think that's where people make a mistake. Your yeah. why is your personal story. How you tell your story is going to allow you to emotionally connect to other people. Absolutely. And you've mentioned so far that there are three things in this triad. I've got a couple of questions about it. If, if it's okay, we'll come back to them. But you said there's three things in the triad. There's leader and there's vision. What was the third one, Jeff? The third one is to be a part of a new culture. So it's new. So this kind of ties in with the vision. It's like the vision's more comes from the leadership saying that, hi guys, this is, this is what the vision is for. We're planning. And again, just when you, I'm saying vision, don't think you have to be Steve Jobs here. You don't you to try to change the world. It can yeah. simply be, I'm, I want to have a, a thousand people in my community that we're all engaged with and helping each other grow their businesses. 
They could be much, 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 much smaller, but it has to be something that you believe in and that you're willing to share. So that's the vision. So then the third part is you need to be able to articulate where they're currently at and what new they're going to gain from being a part of this tribe. So what, where they're currently at in terms of what's, um, a lot of people say hit them with the pain. This is, I've heard of it in marketing with sales. What's the pain, 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 pain? But when I go out and buy a bottle of water, I am not in pain. I'm not sat there in agonizing emotional or physical pain. I just want a drink. <laughs> it's not hitting with the pain. And this is where, again, most marketers make the mistake. They're just uh, adamant on drilling down on what's the worst case scenario possible. But it's more a case of going, okay, what's the unpreferred state? What is the emotional frustration of where they are now? So it's not the pain, but it's in a situation where they, they would like something new. So you need to be able to articulate where they're currently at from an emotional position and in what new they're going to gain from it. So what's going to be the new uh, future identity that they can have by becoming a part of your tribe? So that could be, for example, a sales situation for if I'm selling in business coaching for people. The unpreferred state is don't have enough clients, it's frustrating, always uh, feast and famine every month, worrying about where the next bill is coming from. And the new place is I want to get you to a position where you have uh, regular clients coming through the door and you can control the flow. So whenever you need more clients, we can just turn on the traffic and it will generate exactly what you need and turn it off when you start to get overwhelmed. So it's kind of painting this new vision for them in their mind. It hasn't got to be their, their end life's goal, but just this creating a vision with inside of your tribe saying, this is where you're currently at. If you become part of this tribe, part of this community, this is what we're going to gain from this. You're right, actually. When we talk about pain and pleasure and ultimately that sales and marketing is about moving away from pain or solving a problem or moving towards some kind of goal or desire, maybe that's a, a bit of a simplistic view. It is in terms of, because uh, it works It works for certain things, absolutely. If I'm yeah. dealing with anxiety, if I'm dealing with depression, these people are in pain. Uh, a lot of the world is in pain. However, you know, if I want a new mobile phone, I'm not sat here in pain I'm not there is no pain there's just a frustration and just a level of do you know what there's something else I would prefer to what I've got at the moment and there is an emotional state attached isn't there oh yeah absolutely in, in every transition and this is this part of the news so the vision's kind of painting this big picture of like where I'm going as the charismatic leader the new is for the individual people saying that there's this is where you are currently at and this is what you can now gain from being a part of this so this is that part. But we always want to tie on emotion. People buy on emotion and then they back it up with reason. Exactly. So if you come straight out with all of these logical reasons, like you're Sonny Spock telling everyone all the factual reasons of what you should, why you should be doing something, the factual reasons as to why you should be losing weight, doesn't mean people lose weight. That We all know how to lose weight, uh, eat less and move more. We all know exactly how to do it. Yet obesity is on, on the increase. So it's not a case of knowledge is enough. Knowledge is just a piece of the puzzle and very seldom is knowledge the first piece of the puzzle you've put in. It's one of the last. So emotional connection is key when you're ever trying to get someone to identify with where they're currently at to where you want them to see themselves moving forward. Okay, okay. Your three things to the triad, if, if you don't mind, I'll just take a yeah. step back. You said about being a leader. I get that. 
we all want to be the leader because people buy from leaders and they have confidence in leaders. But if you're just starting out and you're not a recognised thought leader in whatever it is that you do, how do you establish yourself as an authority? Exactly that, being the authority. That if you're just starting out, you have to kind of plant your flag in the ground at some point and say, I am the expert at this, regardless of what that is. So if you're, you're planning in the future, so your vision of the future is, I want to create uh, the, the, the London's number one leading design agencies. That's your vision. That's, that's where we're going with this. We want you to be a part of it. You guys are coming on board, are going to have access to all of the, the latest cutting edge design information as the new stuff comes in. We're going to be sharing with you guys first so you can adopt it into your business. So that's kind of the big vision. That's how you can get other people excited. But you also need to let them know that you are the authority. You are the expert of what you're currently doing. So if you're just starting out and you're, you've mastered logo design, for example, then that's what you claim as your, your position at the moment in time. So you have to kind of link to some form of expertise. And if you don't have any expertise, you're going to have to go and get some. Because if you just rock up with nothing, then to be honest, you're still at the employer stage, employee stage, rather than moving into tribe-building stage. If you're an employee and you're trying to build a culture around with other employees following you, then straight away this psychological hierarchy kicks in and other people are going to be, well, why should I follow this person? They're, they're no different to me. And you don't need to kind of be miles ahead of someone. You just need to be one step ahead of them and claim that you are the authority or the expert at that one specific thing and build up from there. Excellent. So it really is about staking your claim, as you say there. I quite like that. Stake your claim. If you haven't already got the particular skill set, you've got to go out and earn it. How can you demonstrate the fact that if you're trying to build an audience here, how do you demonstrate that you are the authority rather than just saying, hey, I'm brilliant at this? Oh, there are many ways of doing it. Um, so I've looked at the psychology of, of celebrity. Is another one that fascinates me. So I do work with a few sort of mini celebs, let's call them, and uh, more kind of high-profile public speaking. Um, they're not really classed celebs, but they suddenly position themselves so high up there, other people follow them, their tribe follow them, and they, their tribe sees them more as a celebrity. So the psychology of a celebrity is purely to do with repeated exposure. So it's repeated stimulus. So if you keep seeing someone on TV all the time, so you watch EastEnders five days a week, I think it's on. I'm never watching myself. But you see one of these characters on there. Um, so I used to watch it when I was younger, and there was a character called Bianca, I think. We always used to shout, Ricky, all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I still remember who she is now, to this day. So I haven't watched this program probably about 20, 30 years or whatever it's been. I still remember her. Because of this repeated exposure effect, so every day you get to see these these people, and every day you, they're on TV, so you turn on the telly, and there they are, and you're having some emotional relationships to this person. So we can now kind of engineer that for ourselves, that given the fact we've got social media now. So the first thing to do is set up a community. So let's just take this this um, design guy with his logo, yeah. who's wanting to create a design agency as the the example here. So we just think yeah, yeah. on our feet and let's just go for one. So he's got his, his little um, logo designs he's been putting together. The next step for him would be is to create a community. So on Facebook, upload a community, and this community is all about um, business. So we're looking for business people, maybe startups, maybe young entrepreneurs. So it's important for us to first of all define our avatar as well, who are we trying to talk to. 
Yes. Um, because we don't want to have loads of random people who've got no interest at all about what we're doing. So I don't want to bring on loads of people who are into, um, got, don't even own a business, for example. We have no, we'll never have a need for a logo. So we want to create a community, first of all, understand our avatar, and then we want to start getting people to follow and join that community. And we can do this multiple ways. We can do it through paid advertising, we can do it through friends, we can do it through family. So I'll talk about the temperature gauge in, in a moment, actually. Remind me to come back to that one. Yeah. Um, so we have this community built up, and then it's inside of that community, it's our job to make sure that we are constantly engaging with that audience. So we need to make sure we're posting videos in there, going live in there. We're posting out messages, asking them questions, asking for their feedback, asking for their opinion. We want to post pictures of us creating the logos, the steps of doing the logos. We want to share them once the logo's finished, asking for opinions between this logo versus that logo. But the more we engage with this community and the more they can see us, the more we now uh, actually, our brains starting to become aware of this person. We start to create new neural pathways, if we were to now see this person out in the street, our brain would instantly recognize them. If we were to be in a crowd or in a bar or in a pub, and we've never actually met this person, we've only seen them online through their videos and what they've been teaching, and we're in a bar with hundreds of people there, and we, our brain was to recognize this person, would instantly go, ah, oh, it's them. And that's what we want to try to do, is actually get our brain to become aware, like solidify it in our mind's eye, so we now know who this person is. And yeah. this is if you just walk down a street and you see Brad Pitt straight away, oh, look, Brad Pitt's there, it's a bit random. I'm used to seeing him on TV, and now he's in front of me. And it creates this cognitive dissonance in our brain where it jolts our mind to suddenly become aware of this person and go, ah, look, I'm used to seeing this person in this environment, in this situation, and now I see him externally in other ones. And that is what we want to get to. Is that that? That's an interesting phrase there, Jeff, cognitive dissonance. Yes, yes. Uh, basically, it means that when uh, we have our cognitive abilities, which is all about the way we think, where we move, our choices and decisions that we make. Cognitive distance is basically when uh, we're creatures of habits. Humans are all creatures of habits. If we want to expand our minds, expand our brains, and even use 100% of our mind at any one given time, we need to constantly keep tricking our brains. We need to do things outside of our ha usual comfort, um, comfort zone and our habits. So most, I brush my teeth with my right hand. If I want to start really engaging my brain, I need to start brushing my teeth with my left hand. I need to do things the complete opposite. It forces our brain to work harder. Yeah. And cognitive distance is, is really doing that. It's, it's kind of jolting our reality. So what we are expecting to happen, the reality doesn't match up with what we're expecting to happen. And if we can get that to, we can do that through clever marketing, clever advertising. Marketers do it all the time where they have, the message is, like, buy my logo. And then the image for that message is a, a dog on the beach with sunglasses kind of thing. So it's, the, the message doesn't tie up with the picture. And as soon as the two don't tie up, our brain has to stop and it has to think about it, try to make reason of what's going on here. And that's what we want to always do with, with marketing and in building, building tribes and stuff. The more we get people to break out of their mundane thinking or their habitual thinking, then we can start to engage with them. And I'm guessing as well is if you're able to do this in whatever industry or sector that you're in, that's the thing that's going to set you apart from everybody else who's going down one route and you say, well, hold on, what about this? What about this? Absolutely. So there's, um, it, who I've come across recently, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Dan Meredith, these type yeah. of people 
are creating a lot of cognitive dissonance in people. So they're talking about motivation, they're talking about implementation strategies, but they're not coming at it from your usual Tony Robbins. It's not your Brendan Machard style of way of pitching motivation. They're not talking about authentic self. They're not talking about being present and engaging. And, and they're not coming from a place of real compassion and caring. Dan Meredith ones very much just swears all the way through everything he does. Yeah. And it kind of polarizes an audience, but also makes a new audience stop. Because if you're talking about motivation, and I'm, I don't know about you, but my wall is full of um, these motivational speakers from UK and from America. And yeah, a lot of them now <laughs> driving towards spirituality as well. Which, again, when it first came out, it was quite new. But now, if everyone's doing it, it just becomes, our brain just starts to switch off to it. We become desensitized to this information. So the cognitive dissonance is that jolt. Is that what's new? Is that, okay, I'm still talking to you about motivation. However, I'm not coming at it from a spiritual way now. I'm just going to just swear at you. <laughs> kind of force you to kind of uh, take ownership of your own um, story, really, and stop BSing yourself. So that's oh. why those guys work so well, because it's kind of, it's jolting everyone out, going, oh, yes, it's a new perspective on the same content. But the content's still the same. You listen to these guys, and they're not telling you anything new. It's just the way they're telling you. And it's, they're coming from a place of authenticity from themselves, and it's resonating with an audience. And this cognitive dissonance, that's where it links into what you were saying about new culture, that this new approach, new thing. Yeah, well, cognitive dissonance is a, is a part of it. This is we, We're trying to create this aspect of um, how do we become the, the perceived to be the authority or the leader is what we're kind of after. And to do that, we need to kind of present ourselves as a celebrity in their eyes. I don't mean that celebrity in terms of like your TV star or anything, yeah. but it just means that you've had this repeated exposure effect where people are continuously seeing you. And you're demonstrated in that. So Facebook Lives, podcasts, audios, in your blogs, in your messaging, in the assets you're putting out there, in the networking you're doing, your 60-second picture elevators. All of these things you should be trying to demonstrate why you're the expert and that you care about the audience, care about your tribe. The cognitive dissonance part is where you want to be able to jolt the audience. So as soon as people become a bit switched off or disengaged with what you're doing, it's your job now to keep re-engaging them, to keep throwing in new unexpected elements as well. And if you keep doing this with your audience, with your tribe, and re-engaging them, it's going to work. So another great one that I actually use with, with my audience is if people start to switch off and start to not engage people who were engaging, is you actually directly message them. You go onto um, Messenger, reach out to them and say, hi, um, thank you very much for joining my community. I've seen you being really part of this. Thank you for liking and sharing my videos. I mean, I do that with everyone anyway. But I've noticed you haven't been on for a few few weeks or a few months, whatever it is for you. Is there anything I can do to help you? Is there anything you need? Uh, do you still feel like you're part of this community? So by even by reaching out to them, it's kind of it's unexpected. <laughs> they kind of expect oh, to be a part of the community. And it's like, oh, someone's actually taking the time to actually find out what I'm about. Yeah, and we feel really valued when that happens, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that, that kind of conversation is about doing the unexpected. is is getting them to, you know, the, the what we're doing is exactly the same, but we want to jolt their thinking. We want to take them out of this habitual scroll, 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 scroll through Facebook. Um, maybe like every now and then just because it's one of your friends. But we want to kind of break those patterns. Uh, I think Tony Robbins calls them uh, break states all the time. He does, yes, yeah. 
<laughs> but same thing. It's really kind of that. That's what you're after. Yeah. Or how to break state in people's minds. Okay. So we position ourselves as a leader. We yeah. get ourselves out there. and we're, we're everywhere that people can see. And one of the things here is about consistent and find your platforms, get out there, be present all the time. And where you can create some cognitive dissonance. What next? What next? Okay, so yeah, once we're out there, that's just the awareness side of it. So whatever we make people aware of who we are, that's really that's the again using Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, as an example. Yeah. He hardly ever sells anything. Okay, so if you have seen him all over Facebook now for probably two years, it's been of him uh, constantly out there pushing, 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 pushing all of his content all of his videos, all of his little inspirational talks, but he's never selling. I've never really seen him sell anything other than his new book he done, which was a period yeah. of time we pushing that. But that first part is just about building awareness and building this trust, building this authority with an audience. As soon as you go out there and go, we can sell, 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 you suddenly break, you're breaking that trust with them. Um, yeah. So the first part is about building awareness. The next part now is actually, okay, um, how do we now transition them from being aware into um, actually really buying from us is what we need to do. Because having a tribe is all well and good, having a big following of people who are engaged with you. But if, yeah. uh, if no one's ever going to buy from you, again, you've got to question yourself, what's, what's the point of having a, a big <laughs> following? Are you doing it just for your own ego? Which is, yeah. which is fair enough. If you are, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Just be aware and own that if that's the case. But in the, again, the case of the creator guy who's got his logos and wants to create this uh, the London's number one uh, advertising agency yeah. marketing agency he needs to be selling he needs to be able to get people to, to buy purchase his stuff and he needs to get that audience to be able to share in it with their audience and um, create this kind of real trust there so through network marketing you would have definitely heard of uh, I know you've heard of it no like and trust oh yeah that's um, one of the big things network marketers say and it's quite quite known however it is there's a few parts missing for that, know, like, and trust. That's kind of your high level. That's this awareness part. Okay. I know, like, and trust my friend who's a personal trainer. Will I ever buy from him? Have I bought from him? No. Just because I know, <laughs> like, and trust him doesn't mean I'm going to buy. It just That's means true. I know you. It means I, I trust you as a person. And um, I, I like you as a person. You're a nice guy. Doesn't mean I'm going to buy your services. So there's a few extra factors that are missing from that. So one is, is time. Timing is critically important. And oh, this yes. is why, the, exactly as you were saying, uh, the, the consistency is so important. Because I may know, like, and trust you. I just may not want it right now today. But we need to be consistently out there sharing our message. So when the timing is right for that person, they will take action and they will, they will reach out to us. Yeah, so it's this whole thing about being top of mind. Um, bear in mind that people buy a, a, on a time scale that suits them, not you. So we, we have to keep working it. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, if you're not there, when they want to buy, they will go whoever else is there when they want to buy. Yeah. So you would just lose people. So this is why that consistency is key. So sharing your message out there consistently. Again, if it's the graphic design guy, just keep putting out there, not just your logos you've done, but your story, your how you're creating these logos, why you're creating these logos, what they mean to you, what they mean to your audience, what they mean to your customers, and the whole thought process that goes into it. The more of your story you can share, not just the end result, the more people are going to buy into you. So timing is a big factor. So no like, trust, timing. And yes. belief is the other big factor. So, yes, I may know, like, and trust you, and that's all well and good. The time's yep. right for me to buy this, 
Uh, however, I may not believe, there's two areas to believe, I may not believe in you being able to give me this. So I may like you, I may know you and I may trust you, but I don't believe you're going to get me those results. I can still know, like, and trust you, but I don't believe that you're going to get me the results. <laughs> and the other side of it is I don't believe that I'm going to get the results that you're saying. Yeah. So you take the fitness industry. Um, in, in looking at like my, my friend, personal trainer, physique of a, of a Greek god, and it's like, yes, look, I believe that you can get the results, but I don't believe that I'm ever going to get those results. So as soon as I don't have the belief in myself about the products or the service, that's going to break down as well. So it's our job to incite that belief and empowerment in our audience as well. So we, not only do we want to be present and engaging with them, we also really want to believe in them and show that, you know, that there is someone out here that actually cares about you. We believe in you. We're willing to, to help you uh, succeed. And together, if you can't do it on your own, with us as this community, we can help you get to where you want to be. Now, this is our primary focus is you getting the results that you want. Sure, sure. So, so can you give us a, a, a tip or two about how you can build belief, how you can get other people to believe that you can generate a particular result for them? Okay, so we're at the two. So the, the belief in terms of, so for me as the, the provider, if I want to get people yeah. to believe that I'm going to do good service, the ultimate yeah. way of doing that is case studies and testimonials. These, sure. these, and, and now reviews as well. So yeah, five-star reviews everywhere. Other people, third-party people saying that that's, um, he gets results every time I, I used them it was a brilliant service it was brilliant this it was brilliant that and I got the results so that there's no substitute for that we want to go out there as the authority saying we can do all of this stuff but we people are not going to buy from you saying it people buy because their friends recommended you uh, that makes a lot of sense to me Jeff one of the pieces of advice that I was given when I first started uh, going out and marketing my business was to never be attached to the sale and, yeah. and and that makes a lot of sense because if you're there just for the money, then I think people can sniff that out. But what I, I do recognise is that when I started getting paid for what I was doing rather than being paid working for somebody else, that people were paying me and appreciating that and still happy on the end of it, then that was really quite affirming. And that external validation did a lot to build my confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's... Um... I mean, confidence comes from competence. So if we feel that we're competent at what we're doing, and that comes from external validation, other people saying, well done, giving you a pat on the back, that also builds yeah. our confidence as well. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting um, people to believe in us. We first need to believe in ourselves as well. <laughs> That's one of the key things. If we don't believe in what we're doing, and we feel like we're a snake oil salesman, out there, then there's no way the other person's going to believe in it as well. So having third parties is a great way to kind of break that down as well. So when we're out there selling, we need to sell from a place of, of uh, in real integrity. I never try to manipulate anyone. It's just, I can give you so many examples of how to force and manipulate and coerce people into to taking action. Uh, a big part of what I study is influence and persuasion. But a big difference is between influence and persuasion and manipulation is intrinsic and extrinsic value exchange that is going on. So if I believe what I've got to sell is of true value to you and you believe that you're going to get value from it, then it becomes this win-win situation. And that's, we can use influence and persuasion strategies to engineer that, 
but we're coming from a place of genuine integrity. We believe that what we've got is of genuine value to you. As soon as yeah. you don't have that part there, the value, you take that out, so you can use the same strategies, but then it becomes manipulation. I win, you lose. Yeah. I get the sale, I don't care whether you like it or not. <laughs> so, Which only works in the short term, doesn't it? Only works in the short term, absolutely. Because the second they, they walk away from that meeting, they get what's called buyer's remorse. Where they, they get home from, why did I buy that? <laughs> we shouldn't have right. bought that, what an idiot. <laughs> uh, which is what you don't want, because that person intends to avoid you, in especially in networking meetings. I'm going to yeah. avoid them, I'm going to ask my money back, I'm going to start yeah. mouthing you to other people. Um, so it just, just loses all around. Whereas if you do yeah. from a place of genuine integrity and self from there, um, one, they feel that you've got their best interest at heart. And that's again a massive part of building this tribe, is they want to feel that they belong to community, that they're important to that community, and they are of value to that community. And if you come across from that from day one when you first meet these people and you're out there, especially in a networking event, coming from a place of genuine integrity, that will last. That will last the test of time. When they are sharing it with their friends and their family, uh, they also believe in your message as well because you believe in it. Belief is so, so important, isn't it? So that's just one of the things that you said in terms of transitioning toward the financial transaction starts with awareness you said stage one and then if you build a no like trust timing and belief yeah if you've got that in place what next jeff well the next part now is to um actually do the close so actually before the, the belief the other part of belief is get them to believe in themselves and the way you do that is by empowering them um use words that actually uh, it's some more coaching strategies Really, you're talking through this person. If someone says, especially like the weightless one, oh, I just don't believe I can get the result. Um, it's then your job to help them see how they can get the result and get them to believe in themselves. That we're all we're all humans. We've got the same capability. Unless we're restricted by by a tyranny or some kind of brain damage that's restricting our cognitive abilities or our actual environmental abilities, then we've all got the, exactly the same reasoning and conscious choices we can make. So yeah. it's our jobs in sales to not just try to sell something, but actually get them to see in their mind them having the result. Yeah. So if you could say to someone, well, actually, somebody else in a similar situation to you, they went through that, they never thought they could do it, and they did it. And you can do it too. They're no smarter, no cleverer than you. You can do it too. And I believe in you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Half the time, especially in, in therapy, is just their person sat there just wants someone to believe in them. Someone to say to them, it's okay for you to do this. Like give them permission to go out there and do what they want to do. It's, it's crazy. We feel like, and this is why this leadership is so important. The leadership role is basically saying to your tribe, it's okay. You can go and do this. And you're empowering your audience to go out there and take action. And you know, it's, it's just amazingly powerful just someone saying to you, you know what, I believe in you. Immensely powerful. Please, please, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's the belief side. So the next part then um, is the final part, which is actually the next stage, getting them to transition. So we do this through the, the nurturing of the tribe process. And first of all, we've got them on our, let's say at this point we've got them on our Facebook. Um, we want to move them from Facebook to every other platform as well. So all the other social platforms and onto our mailing list. So we need to do our best we can to get these, this audience to take what we call micro-commitments. So they're on Facebook, come over to Twitter, just one tiny commitment we're asking them to do. 
the more micro commitments we can get them to take, we know that that tribe member is a lot stronger connected to us than someone who just won't take any action at all. And we yeah. go through a series of little micro commitments, bringing them over to other platforms, giving them reasons to come to these platforms. Uh, and that's why sharing different content on different platforms is important, not just copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste across all social media. Then there's no reason for someone to follow you on Twitter or follow you on Instagram if everything you're doing on Facebook is exactly the same. And yeah, then we yeah. want to transition them into our email list as well. And this is because we don't own any of these social media platforms. We are not the owners of Facebook, unless Mark Zuckerberg is listening to this right now. You know, no one else owns Facebook. So yeah. but your own database, you own that. And if your accounts ever get shut down or closed or anything for any reason, you want to be able to still have that list. Uh, and that's, that's why it's important. So once we have them in our list, in our place that we want to build this trust with them, the next step really is this nurture campaign, which is to keep them updated in terms of what's going on, is to inspire education, inspiration, and entertainment is the three kind of things we want to be doing in our nurture campaigns. So not just always about buy, 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 this is what I do. Uh, we want to en- entertain them as well. Be, have a bit of humour with, with your audience. People are not, especially in the business world, in the corporate world especially, everyone thinks you've got to be so serious. Suit, yeah. tie, buttoned up, really serious. It's just, it just isn't, because all humans, who can sit and put on a, the comedy channel and sit and have a good old laugh in the evenings or go out with your friends and have a laugh. And So you want to be not only the um, kind of the thought leader in your little group, but also have a bit of light-hearted humour as well with them. So, and the education is where you're now teaching them all the stuff they can do. And this is the key part. So the, in the education, the inspiration, by the way, is, is painting the future again. You want to keep um, going over that. This is where they yes. are now. It's a frustration. This is what you can gain from it. In other words, empowering them to create a, build a business themselves or have this amazing design for their websites or logos. The next stage is the education. So in the education, we don't want to just teach them you know, how and what is we're doing, but we're educating them to become clients as well. So educating them, going through the process of saying that this is what my other clients have already got from me. This is what my other clients have already experienced from me. If you buy this tiny transaction, my offering for only a pound or three pounds or seven pounds from me, then I'm going to offer you this value. So we're training them to buy from us, which is even a small cost, so it's micro commitments, plus we're also training them and educating them. This is the results, again, what we're already getting. So educating them about the potential results if they were to work with you. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So you can state things along the lines of other people that work with us find they, they can uh, 10x their, their results, for example. Yeah. If you can get any, this is where it comes down to, so if you're starting out in business at day one and you've got absolutely nothing, you need to be doing this stuff for free. You need to be offering people free, uh, again, logos, free logos free brochures, free, free designs, free flyers. And a lot of people hate the thought of doing work for free, but it's so important for you to build up this reputation, this credibility, and get these case studies and testimonials. Because when you come to selling your products and service, this is what you leverage. You leverage this part here, and you say, look, this is what you can expect, because this is what has happened already for my other clients. And I'm uh, allowing you to, to experience my service, or my, my products for next to nothing. And that's where that real low end cost comes in, a pound, three pound. There's something just to get them to transact and, and purchase from you. Because the mindset of a consumer 
So someone who's just consuming all your content is vastly different from a mindset of someone who has actually given you their credit card details and purchased from you. The people who buy yeah. from you are so much more likely to buy again and again and again and all your bigger products once they get the service. So this is about moving from a follower or a, yeah. you know, a member of the tribe who you know, has a lot of respect and they like you and trust you to actually being a consumer, somebody who's uh, involved in a financial transaction with you. And that is actually a, a relatively big step. Would you agree? A uh, massive step. Massive step. So you want to make that step as easy and as effortless for them as possible. Yeah. That's the key. And that's why low, you see it often now with your Kim Gass and digital marketer and these type of people, they offer a subscribership to my account for three months only a pound a month. There's literally yeah. a one pound transaction. But they absolutely understand that that one pound is highly valuable because the difference between someone who's following me on my social media, my tribe, my audience who absolutely love my content, to someone who's purchased my content is vastly different. Because those people go on to buy it, then they go on to um, a huge percentage of those people will end up uh, be able to be upsold into one of the bigger packages. Okay, so at this stage here, we've hopefully got them to be customers. Yeah, absolutely. And this is kind of where we're at. And this, and then all we're doing now is just repeating the process. We just need to keep going through the process of nurturing that customer, making sure that they feel a real sense of the community they belong to that community and that's just yeah. we need to get that out of them we need to make sure that they feel that they're a part of it otherwise they move on to another community we need to make sure they feel important and of value in that community as well even though yeah. we may not ever speak to them especially if you're doing like our email list building marketing strategies you still need to make them feel important that their, their words are of value they're important to you so they message you get back to them if they email you get back to them don't be one of these place yourself on a pedestal and never speak to your tribe or your audience. It's actually the people who get down into the trenches and, and work with them, lead from the front with them, are the ones that build up this real strong relationship with them. Now, if you say, uh, again, Gary Vaynerchuk, again, just throw him out there. For some reason, he's in front of my mind today. But if you message yeah. him, like, at Gary Vaynerchuk, the chances are he's going to reply to you. And even though he gets like thousands of them a day, if it's a topic where he, he wants to, he, he jumps in there and actually replies to you. Other ones never will. And, they, and even though you buy all of their products, all of their services, and you reach out and say, look, I bought every single thing you possibly got on offer. Uh, I'm stuck on this one thing. What do you think? And I still won't ever get back to you. And yeah. it's like suddenly you're now breaking this, you know, I don't feel that important to you. Now I've got, I'm gaining from your, your content, but I don't feel important. I don't feel valued in, in this community. And while that might seem like a lot of hard work to constantly be there and you know engage in and put yourself out there, it does mean that you are the go-to person for whatever you're setting yourself out for. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's uh, you can limit it. Just go like okay, half hour a day. I mean, this is only when you're big. I mean, when you're starting out, you probably won't even do half hour a month on <laughs> answering people's questions. People just don't. And this is the thing: is that most people are not sat there all day long messaging you. So you get messages every now and then. So a lot of people are scared. Go, oh, it's going to take up too much time. It doesn't really, because uh, the messages can be quite quick, and a lot of them are the same questions. They get the same responses to them. But yes, yeah, so that's that's it really. Make make sure your community feels that they belong. The people feel they belong to the community. They feel yeah, important. They feel of value to that community. Allow them to share messages and stuff, and, and help other people in that community as well. So that it becomes that community aspect. Whereas though you're the leader. It's amazing what happens when you start building a community. People start working together, all as one. A lot of people I've now met 
from marketing have actually come from online communities I've been a part of. And we've met outside and gone for drinks and gone for dinner and had lunch with each other. And because we're all in the same boat, we're all trying to help each other. We're trying to understand this world of marketing. We're willing and happy to share ideas around. There's no such thing really as competition either. It's just let's all work out how we can work with each other. We're all a part of this this one vision, which is the, the, the global group we're part of. We're all members of the tribe. But then the tribe members all come together and all feel like that they can work with each other and help each other grow as well. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. You've shared so many top things here. I just want to ask you to tell us one more because you alluded to it earlier. And that was about a temperature gauge. What's that? Ah, uh, a temperature gauge, yeah. So this kind of probably should have mentioned this from the beginning. In terms of how you actually go out there and find your tribe in the first place, because this is often the question. All well and good. Building and working on strategies to, to nurture and maintain this tribe. But now who are they in the first place? It's quite a key one. So just quickly on this one. So we've got three zones we're going to take a look at, three temperature zones for actually becoming aware of our tribe. So our hot zone, in the, right in the centre, is a small zone because it's in the centre, imagine like a dartboard. This is the, the small little red dot in the middle. This okay. is our hot zone. So this is our close friends, our family members, our clients, our partners, our affiliates, our personal contacts and our personal network. Um, these are the people we go to first. So we are building our community these are the people you want in there because they are, when you start sharing stuff, you want to straight away hit the ground running and you want to make sure you're getting engagement on your posts and your videos and you're getting likes and you're getting shares from these people. So when you do set up your community, just go out to everyone you know first of all. And it's, I think they do this in, in multi-level marketing. They go, okay, get your black book out. Who do you know? And let's go sell to them straight away, which is, yeah. I've never found that to be a good strategy. But you do want to bring, bring those people into your community. Yeah, it's what I would call grassroots marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So you, absolutely. <laughs> Start with who you know. Don't make, don't make life hard. Even if it's your yeah. mum and dad and your, your brothers and your sisters, it, it really doesn't matter. As long as if they feel like they can get something from it, again, if you're a graphic designer, just share some cool artwork and stuff that other people have done that they might like. It's yeah. not always got to be your stuff you're putting out there. Just share stuff that is going to be of value to your audience. So that's where you start. Then you have your warm audience. This is the next one up. And this is about acquaintances, friends of friends, distant family members, your social media friends, uh, <laughs> not really proper friends, past clients, yeah. networks. So these are people who you kind of have some sort of relationship affiliation with, but they're not your, in your direct contact list. So I can phone up you, Clive, and say, hi, Clive, look, I've got this new Facebook account set up. I'm, I'm really passionate about it. This is why I'm doing it. This is where, what I want people to gain from it. I really want them to feel part of this community. Is there any chance you could share it with your audience? Because I think they're really going to benefit and get value from it as well. So it's kind yeah. of doing that part where you know other people who are in your hot zone and just asking them to be able to help you as well build this list up. And again, this can be done really free because it's just time in terms of putting the legwork in and building these relationships yeah. and asking other people. But then the third one is, and this is the, the, the outside of the dartboard, you imagine, this is your cold traffic, yes. uh, red, amber, green outside. So this is where the vast majority of your tribe is going to come from. Because I don't know about you, but I haven't got 100,000 family members sat around waiting to join, join my group. <laughs> so we want to build a big tribe, a big audience for our stuff. If we want to go from selling logos to having London's number one uh, design agency, then we need to have a much bigger, more engaged tribe. And this is done through going onto social media, finding social groups with like-minded people, going onto forums, 
going around your local communities or local networking and meeting people you don't actually know yet. Finding your competitors, going onto their pages and start chatting with their audience as well is a great way of bringing people over. Other influencers, so other people that, so if you're doing graphic design, you might want to team up with other people who are doing Facebook videos and say that, hi, I see you do Facebook videos. I see you've already got an audience of 10,000 followers. Now, can we do some work together? There's work in collaboration with these influencers. And that's a very powerful and very fast way of building an audience as well. And then, of course, yeah. PR strategies. So your cold audience is really you're reaching out there to people you don't know yet. And the best way I find to do that is if you've got the cash is to do paid advertising by far. So you take your content and you boost it out there and you get other people you don't know yet to buy into what you're doing. If you don't have the cash, you just got to do the, the manual hours, get in on those social groups and as you're chatting with people. Yeah, yeah. We were saying that weren't we, just before we start recording today that ultimately you either need time or money to market any business. If you've got the money, which is the faster route, then you've at least got the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm conscious of time here. We're you know, going to have to start wrapping things up. But I don't want to let you go without asking, how can people get hold of you, Jeff? My personal new Facebook account, it's been up and running a few weeks now, is Jeff X Spires. So if anyone would like to follow me over there, then please do so. If you actually want to reach out to me personally, then email me at info at inspiredbusinesssuccess.co.uk. And that's where we'll leave it today. That was Jeff Spires, my friend, and also author of the book, How to Succeed in Life and Happiness. Top, top guy. You know, Hopefully you found that wildly useful. Everything that Jeff has shared with us today, I've made some notes for you, so you've not had to do any of that. If you want to pick up those notes in the form of a cheat sheet, then go to my show notes page at getreallaboutbusiness.com forward slash 15. That's where you can pick that up, as well as all the other links and the things that we talked about there. There's a link there for Jeff's book if you want to check that out, and also Jeff's contact details if you want to get in touch with him. So much that we shared today, but that really has to be it. Just time for me to quickly tell you about the next episode. Next week, you're going to be meeting Karen Williams, yet another author. Karen is a fellow coach and NLP practitioner. Karen and I have been hanging around the same circles. In fact, Karen is a master NLP practitioner, and she's author of five books. The fifth book she's just bringing out right now. She's had enormous success as an author. Not necessarily because of the money she's made on it, but what she's been able to leverage for her business on the back of those books. And that, of course, these days is the major reason to get into writing your own book. So if you're like me and you've ever thought about writing your own book, you definitely want to check that out. Because next episode, we're going to be talking about how you can write a book to leverage for your business. So do come back to us for the next episode of the Get Real About Business podcast. If you've loved this episode, then do me a favor and pop on iTunes, give me a review. Five stars would be absolutely awesome, but whatever you think. That's it for now. See you on the next episode. I've been Clive Maloney. Here's to you and your highly successful business.